previously on the Simply Human podcast. What we forgot completely had happened was that when Morgan told us he was going to swim across the lake, he said, I'm going to swim across the lake naked. (laughs) (laughs) So you see where this is going. We forgot he was naked. We didn't didn't tell any of the firefighters and policemen that he was naked. (laughs) It's episode 145 of the Simple Human Podcast with your host, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, we are so excited to have Elise Carr on the show. She is such an amazing person and and an expert on on things that have to do with women. Mm. <clears throat> it's a fun one. It's definitely yeah. a fun one. <laughs> then it's another you'll, you'll understand when near the end. <laughs> uh, near the end. Well, hold on. We'll talk about this in a second. Then it's a moderately funny edition of Humans Being Human with my good friend. I'm not going to uh, ruin it because it's a surprise. An old blast from the past. I'm surprising Rick with. And we're up with our Simply Human today. How are you, Rick? I'm good. How are you? Okay, so Elise is uh, she's a, she's a sacred spirituality and sexuality director, life empowerment mentor, and certified holistic health co- coach, writer, speaker, model, artist, divine feminine trailblazer. She's also an expert on is it tantra, tantra? How do you say that? Mm. Google it. I don't know. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know. Um. So, um, it, if we're Thomas the Train. We okay. we f- we fell off a mountain at the end of the of the interview. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you'll understand when you listen. Uh, us, the, I think us trying to hold it together is uh, entertaining, and I think everyone who is a longtime listener who knows us will be like, "Oh my gosh, these guys!" And then you'll hear it. Yeah. Well, how? Like, let's talk about this phenomenon for a second. The the whole laughing in church or laughing at a funeral phenomenon or laughing because a funeral was a bad example but like laughing when you're not supposed to laugh what is what is that why is that a thing why is my that so brother hard? it's a big nervous well i was laughing during the interview because it was funny and right. uh it was we're, we're 13 years old yeah. uh my brother was a nervous laugher like my dad and you know my dad when he gets mad he's a yeller and screamer and a belt whipper and all that my brother would laugh because he's like nervous laughter, and it would make my dad super, super pissed. So, I don't know. Do you, uh, so like, I, I've, never been, I've never been a, a nervous laugher. Well, like you know, just like at when you're when you're supposed to be quiet, and then you start trying to laugh. That is like, and it's all it's very. I, there's something my dad just told this story. It reminded me of this. It kind of was the same. This phenomenon happened. So it's like. We changed doctors when I was like, I don't know, 13 years old or something. And so we were going down to Medical City, Rick. Uh, you know where that is. And uh, it's, in, it's at uh, Coit and Cloudus Fields. Yeah, exactly. Coit and Cloudus Fields Drive yeah, exa- in Dallas. Exactly. So new doctor. We've never met this doctor. It's me and my mom and my dad. And I don't know why my brothers weren't there, but it was just us three. No one was sick. We were just doing like the whole like changing over you have to go and do like a little wellness check and they do the little you have to fill the paperwork out and all that or we're sitting in like the doctor waiting room or like not the waiting room like the actual like the the exam room and i uh farted and the doctor had the doctor had not come in yet and my dad was like 
and it was terrible. You know, it's one of those just immediate, you're in a small room, it's, you know, and it's just immediate humid nastiness hits your nose. And, and so my dad was like, Mark, you idiot, don't do that. He hadn't even, and right as he's saying that, the door opens. And the doctor, <laughs> and the doctor walks in. Well, my dad gets tickled, and he's so the doctor walks in. He's trying to like, you know, hello, doctor, such as that. I'm uh, Irvin Rogers. Da da da. Well, he's like, he's just. And of course, it's kind of you know, the doctor's like, what's well, so funny? Like you immediately start wheeze laughing when I walk in the room. Is it my fly down? Is my are my shoes on backwards? Like what's the deal? He he could not hold it together while the doctor was like meeting me and all that, and he had to like leave the room. Which, of course, when we get in the car, my mom was like, way to go, Urban, you moron. Like, made us look like a bunch of idiots in front of the new doctor. But, anyway. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I had one of those kind of like that the other day. So, I work at an office. There's two desks in the office, me and my partner in there. Well, he was gone for five weeks on, like, a special training deal. So, it was just me in the office. And so, uh, you know, I don't know anybody in this new section, so no one ever comes by to visit or chat because I don't really know these people all that well. I'm getting to know them now. And he's, you know, social butterfly man. So when he's there, everyone's popping in to say hi or whatever. Well, he's gone. So I have the office all to myself, and I'm listening to the radio station I want to listen to, and I'm do, you know, kind of doing what I want and learning. Well, I, I, I don't really think about it, and I just kind of lean back, and I was like, hmm. It didn't make an audible noise, but I, you know, I spelled it more, more like this. <laughs> You're an idiot. So, uh, it was not a good situation at all. Anybody. And I am not kidding you. It wasn't 10 seconds before yeah. someone comes. God, why does that happen? And I could kind of tell on their face. And I was like, yeah, it's looking at the bottom of my shoe. Like, yeah, I think I stick, stepped in some dog crap yeah. or something. There's this is my go-to yeah. when like I've farted and it doesn't smell good. And it, someone like, like in an elevator, or if I were to fart in an elevator, someone walks in, I, I, I make a face like, huh, I can't believe the last guy in this elevator. Or my, my go-to is to look on my shoe. Like, did I step in something? What, what is that? Yeah. Or, or the other so, thing to do is like pretend like you smell something too, and you're just as outraged. Like if you're if like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't believe yeah. but you can't do that in your own office that everyone knows you're completely <laughs> all alone. In. Oh, it's kind of like if you do it at a grocery store, you're standing in the aisle, like no one's on the aisle. As soon as you let one go, like some like a family will come walking down the aisle. And yes. oh man, that reminds me when I when we when Halen was a baby and I was getting my masters, we uh, went. I went with Jen like some. In the summer, there's some some time that we went to like Chapel Hill. It was in North Carolina, some conference she was at. Well, when she and Halen, our oldest, when she was just a baby, when they would go to bed, I would go out into the hallway and like read and do my write my papers and and study for my master stuff. And I'm and I'm standing out or I'm sitting out in the hall, and it's like midnight. There's like no one in the hall. You know, like in a hotel hallway, there's like complete empty. And and I'm. And I've just been ripping like out there for the last you know hour, and it's just the whole hallway stinks. Well, it's kind of it's been a while, and I've just let another like just one of those ones that like burns. You know, it's like you just know it's going to be horrible. And right yeah. then, like ding, like the elevator dings. You know, and so then I'm at the end of the hall, so I'm thinking, okay, pretty good chance 
that these people are going yeah, to walk the other way. There's a way. lot of doors between here and there. Chances are they're not coming all the way down. Yeah, or, or at least they might even like turn and just walk the other direction. You know, well <laughs> they they turn to me and I'm like, ah, crap. You know, so here we go. And it's like it's like a mom and like her two like teenage daughters. You know, and so not that that matters but if it's like if it's like construction workers like i'm not worried about it you know yeah it's so, the construction worker might give you a high five <laughs> right? and so like of course as they're walking to me i'm thinking no no please god no please and of course they they're they're in the room next to us like on the other side of me like they're in the last room <laughs> and as and of course as they are and i'm just like head buried in my book and as they pass me the younger one like starts to <laughs> like 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 laugh slash uh gag and so these people go into their rooms and they immediately walk out one minute later with all their bags and they're just let's go 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 like rushing them out of the hole no yeah or you know as they're walking into the room like they all are dying laughing and are like ew gross and it's just like great <laughs> wonderful why uh, do we do that humans like we all fart. that all happens yeah can't we all like have a handshake agreement human to human like hey listen I'm gonna fart, and it might not smell good. It might be nothing, but it might be terrible. Uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah, sorry, everybody. You know, and so um, like, why is that not like? Why is that less excusable than if you like accidentally uh, burped you know, or sneeze me. or sneeze? Yeah. I guess sneezes don't smell terrible. I guess they Maybe. could. Sometimes why? yours. Could... What? 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 So, okay, so this leads me to the next thing I was going to tell you. So, we had this big meeting. Uh, it's called an, like an all staff meeting. So, I have, I'm in this office out here, and then there's like our corporate office in like Irving, right? And, uh, yeah. and so, all of like the chiefs, like the chief executive officer and the chief program officer and the chief financial officer, everybody like comes out here like once a year. And we like decorate the office and have these all day meetings. It's like this big deal. Well, there's only, it's me and like one other guy in this office and it's the rest are women. So it's like only a couple of options in the, in the men's restroom, right? Like if I go in there and there's a big mess, like I know it's not me. If it wasn't me, it's the other guy, right? It's like not, not many to choose from. So it's like five minutes before we get this text and they're like, Hey, we're in Abilene. We'll be there. You know, five minutes. We're just making our way through town. Like, all right, they're all here. Everybody's getting excited. Well, I'm like, okay. And, and the other guy wasn't in the office. He was going to be late to the meeting. So I'm the only guy in the office. And I'm like, if that's the time where it's like, okay, I better, I better go in there. And as my uh, five-year-old daughter says, <laughs> I, I better go to the twos. That's what she says. I need to go to the twos when she has to poop. So I said, I better go to the twos now, but you know, cause I'm not gonna have another chance and everybody's going to be here. So I go in there and I go to the twos and I, and it's a, it's a rather, it's a large go to the twos <clears throat> and I stand up and I, you know, it, was, it wasn't a number two. It was a number four. <laughs> <laughs> it was a multiple of two. It was a two squared. And, uh, and I go to flush it. That's four. Two squares. Four. Right. Right. That's what that was my, that was the joke. I said that. Yeah. Right. Good. And, uh, it like I flushed it and it was just like wrong, and it just like sat there. And so we can talk about like that has probably happened to everybody where you're like at a at somebody's house or you're at a dinner party or something and like you clog up the toilet, and it's like that's like the worst feeling. I've ever. told that story on the podcast before. 
like my ex-girlfriend yes, in high yes. school, where I just it, like had a dumb and dumber all over in their like guest bathroom only to find out, oh, this is, oh God. Yeah. And that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, there's poop in the toilet. That's where it goes. It's not like I took it down in the middle of the room, you know? And so, but I, I was able to clear the area uh, before everybody got there and escaped, but there's that that you know those few moments where you're just like kind of like the par- the party bus story when the guy's looking in the bag like surely my there's, there's <laughs> pants in here you know so well okay before we get to our interview with uh, Elise I wanted to play a voicemail that we got because um, you we had talked about we gave the book away. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you. By the way, <laughs> some good humor on the Facebook page, but uh, I'm Mark Rogers. I'm giving this book away for free to the first person that buys the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. And I knew you were going to say, I knew that was like obviously dumb. And so I like in the comments before you could even uh, say anything, I was like, hey, uh, shut up, Rick. I know this is just telling someone to buy the book. Well, I will say Jason made the donation. We'd like to thank Jason. He gave a very funny amount. I don't think he would mind us sharing the amount. The amount he gave was $52.69. <laughs> Pretty funny. Just wish your football number was 999. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 1 million. Yeah, so Jason, you will be getting your book. Uh, this is his. It, this was his... Uh, his email. Uh, Hi, Mark. The Claire interview was great. It seems like perfect timing, too, since we're uh, expecting again in January. My address is, and he, this is his address. Uh, it, he lives in Cumming, Georgia. Um, and, and then he wrote, yes, that is correct. Horrible city name. I appreciate the work you guys put on the podcast. It's always entertaining. So thank you, Jason. Uh, you will be getting your book shortly. But during the during the show last week, we hadn't talked about how we, this clever way we were going to give the book away. Uh, you said, just, "Yeah, we just had these books, and we we're like, hey, we can figure out a way to do this.'" Yeah. So you you mentioned something about how the first person to do something would get a book, and that prompted this voicemail. Hey, Mark Lonnie here. Just letting you know, I just so happen to be about an hour and a half outside of Abilene, Texas. So uh, I'm on my way nothing. over to kick you in the nuts. So I can get a free copy of this book that you uh, were promoting today. So um, talk to you later. I'm just giving you a fair warning that you need to go grab some ice because uh, I got steel-toed boots on. See you. Yeah, you didn't hear it. It's basically Lonnie saying he's on his way to Abilene to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so when you li- steel toe that, that's what he said he said you need to go grab some ice because i got steel toe boots on see ya so i thought that was good well done lonnie um okay how about this let's get to our interview with elise go to the website simplymymastyle.com at simplyhuman52 on all the social media stuff like us on facebook leave us a review on itunes go to our store page simplymymastyle.com slash store and there's all our resources there's the, the donate now button if you want to throw a little change our way if you think we are changing your life Give us some change. Hmm. Or bills. <laughs> or paper. Yeah, yeah. Or many bills. It's like, the, what's the line from uh, Coming to America? We like the money that jingles, but we'd rather have the money that folds. Yeah, right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, and so... I don't really care. You can not donate. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we talked to Elise. Here's our interview with Elise. We talked to her about her background, modeling, Stella Muse, social media and body image, seven-year-old girls, self-love versus self-belief, non-judgment, boundaries, getting kissed on the cheek... The Pill, Dr. Kishner Northrup, Phases of Being a Woman, Yanni Power, Guessing Her Birthday, which got really close, and Gratitude. 
Rick, okay. how are you both today? We are doing great. I mean, I can't speak for Rick. Rick, how are you, I guess? I will speak for me, and I'm doing terrific. It is a pleasure to meet you. It's Thank you for taking time out of your, uh, uh, your busy day to, to do this with us. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here, and I get to speak to both of you, which is lovely. It's nice having like two male perspectives as, you know, in this kind of world as well. So, yeah, yeah I'm really honored. Awesome. Well, well, if there's anything that's underrepresented in popular culture, it's uh, the what the white man thinks about <laughs> things. So. Oh, and that is just so, so true. <laughs> awesome. Well, Rick, it is actually 8 a.m. on Tuesday for Elise. Whoa. So tell me what happens Monday night, yeah. Elise, because it <laughs> yeah, hasn't happened there's, yet. There's magic. I don't want to burst the bubble, guys, but yeah. you'll love it. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I, I, do, I do have to say this. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Of course I have. It was a while ago. Okay. Yes. So uh, this is a frequent a little joke that we've called from that uh, on our show. Anytime we have someone on from a different country, I go, ha good day, mate. But I can actually, I'm not going to like whip you with that because I'm sure anytime you ever meet anyone that's not from Australia, they do the same thing. Throw a shrimp on the barbie. But good day, well Elise. Good day. <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah, so we're off. We're off on the, on the right foot here. Um, well, okay. So I've been recording. This has been good. I'm going to intro Elise. She is a sacred spirituality and sexuality director, life empowerment mentor, and certified holistic health coach. She's a writer, a speaker, a model, an artist, and divine feminine trailblazer. Welcome to the show, Elise Carr. Oh, thank you. What a lovely intro. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you both. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, I can't remember if you reached out to us or if we reached out to you. I've seen you on stuff and it's just such an honor to have you on. But let's talk about, I know uh, a lot of our listeners are females, so I thought it would be great to have your perspective and, and your expertise on the show. I have two daughters. They're in uh, second grade and kindergarten. Rick has no daughters. So Rick, you just need to shut up for a second. Um, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Learn and absorb. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about, first of all, your background. We're going to get into your expertise yeah. in a minute, but tell us your story. How did you get to where you are today? Wow, it's a really long one. <laughs> uh, in a nutshell, you mentioned modeling, and that was my first job from the age of seven. And I'm in my 30s now, and I'm still going, although it's changed and evolved a lot. I, uh, I chose not to go international until I finished high school, and which is, you know, the big exams here for us in Australia, and then do my first degree. And, and that was in journalism, public relations. So I had a really deep passion when I peeled it back for unveiling the truth and being able to share that to empower people. I didn't realize it at the time. So I tried on different things like working internationally for magazines and newspapers and reporting on different things that really weren't of big significance to me. And it was such an effort to get things published and pay when you're working freelance, the journal, compared to working for the big corporations. Um, and then I kind of put that to the side and tried international modeling, which I had a massive passion for. But I realized more and more that I am in this world, not of this world. And I say that because while I loved the team that comes together to create an image. So let's just refer to that. It's not one model who rolls out of bed looking like that. <laughs> it's a team. Um, same with runway, all those kind of things. I, I loved that, but there was something missing. My soul wasn't being nourished. My heart wasn't being nourished. My mind wasn't being stimulated. And I'm, I, I am an intellectual. I, I love that an, an analytical side of life and bringing that into you know a realistic arena. So those elements just it wasn't happening, and I wasn't able to combine them. Even when I tried both, you know, both together. And I realized in my early 20s when I got quite unwell modeling in Asia full time at the moment, doing a little bit of journal stuff on the side, 
that when I came back to Australia, my heart stopped four times, like flatlined. And I had a cyst on my ovary that ruptured. Now, the irony was, as I mentioned, it, it wasn't the industry that I was wrapped up in. So I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't having a promiscuous lifestyle. I wasn't going hard in that way. But what I was doing was having a really... Uh, strict lifestyle. I worked out a lot. I worked long hours. I was, you know, away from all my loved ones, all that kind of connection. You had friendships of sorts, but you know what it's like when you meet a new friend and it's just that beginning kind of hanging out. It's not like a, a real intimate relationship where someone knows you. So all those things my body loved on, let's say a heart and, you know, a real consciousness level was away. It was out of this. And of course, the sexual level too, because I wasn't with my partner who was back in Australia at the time. So all these parts of me were, were cut off and I was just kind of in robot mode, right? Right, doing what I thought was living the dream. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was, you know, out of hospital and told by the cardiologist, I'm disgustingly healthy. Yay for all this exercise I was doing and the healthy food I was eating. But, you know, it's not enough. Exercise and good food alone is not enough. So I was at this crossroads. I wasn't able to, like, you know, shave my legs and wash my hair alone in the shower at this stage because I was still recovering. So there's no way I was getting on a catwalk. There's no way I was going to be chasing a story or getting a real job, as my partner back then liked to call it. <laughs> so I, I kind of was stuck at home. And I had a conversation with my aunties who lives in the UK. And back then, this is before Facebook and Insta, before all the social got big. So we had email, which we still do, but this was it, right? So I used to write these epic emails about my journeys, about modeling overseas, about this experience, about this show, about what's going on with my life, just to keep my loved ones in the loop. And she's like, why don't you use those and, and write a fab book? And that's when I started going, okay, maybe I'm not meant to be a journalist. Maybe I'm meant to be a writer. And it took a long time for this to sink in. But here we go, fast forward 10 years. And I, I did write that book. It's it's now, you know, back and forth with different agents and publishers. I'm, I'm now, I trust, having a great conversation with a potential new agent in the States. I have since gone on to write my second book in women's sexuality, which is kind of in the making as we speak. And in those 10 years, I then took myself back and did my master's in communications and cultural politics and women's studies. And it was unpackaging the women's studies especially and really diving deep into that, that that gave me a new appreciation for the disharmony in humanity, for how masculine energy, not men, but masculine energy is at the forefront and female energy is being suppressed. And yes, this brought up the dirty F word of feminism. Mm, and that's my, my second favorite dirty F word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's delicious, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and, and then from there, I, I went and took myself to Paris because I was heartbroken with, you know, a couple of degrees because that partner who I came back for after Modeling Internationally left and so many things had crumbled after I came out of hospital and, and I was really trying to want, I guess I wanted to rebirth. I wanted to find who I really am, what I really want, how I'm going to serve in this world. And for me, there was a big dream of going to Paris and I still did a bit of modeling. I still did a bit of journalism, but really I went there and got myself an editor and really honed in on this book and came back, you know, a few years later, ready to to create Stella Muse. And, and from there, with this desire to really want to serve women initially, went and studied Tantra and more esoteric methods and got into also doing more, I guess, metaphysical studies. And that's when I did my Reiki masters. And it kind of expanded from there and Qigong work and medical intuition work. And I've just kind of gathered my bag of tricks through a lot of hard-won life lessons and um, listening to my innate desire, not listening to what I was, you know, meant to do or supposed to do. I mean, if I listened to that years ago, I would have been a lawyer, a psychologist and a supermodel all at once. And, you know, you just, you just can't do all of that. It's a bit hard. Yeah. So 
in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got to be where I am now. And and also, of course, I, I do work with men. I do work with couples now with with my coaching. And, and I studied that in the mix too. So it was like combining everything I believe that I am able to serve to to be of greater assistance and and get joy out of doing that and feel like I'm I'm, you know, being that channel that I'm meant to be here and not just a pretty face or or not just stuck in you know in a room writing things that you know maybe no one's ever going to read. Yeah, well, that yeah, such an inspiration. I wonder uh, if there's a, a lot of you know models that are now doing what you're doing. I would guess not. Uh, well, so. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Sometimes, okay, maybe not exactly what I'm doing. We're yeah. all quite unique, aren't we? Yeah. Way, but. I did notice more and more, you know, behind the scenes, you know, you'd be in um, backstage or whatever before a show and you'd see some girls pulling out their engineering notes for their right. next exam or perhaps they're working on something else or, you know, they've got two children and they're checking with their children and, and they, you know, in their early 20s, everyone has a different story and, and many were juggling something else. And I'm not saying you can't have a full-time career as a model. You absolutely can. There's some that do. But it was interesting to see how some of these girls were using it as a springboard and, and for me, Gosh, it just opened me up to the world. I was able to see and explore and learn and travel and it, it helped fund my education, to be honest, you know, which was a wonderful thing that I got from it. The thing, uh, Rick tried that. He tried using modeling as a springboard, but he's just too damn ugly. Uh, I got on the springboard and it just snapped right to two and I was like, all right, well, I'll go back to my cave. You two are terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't even know the half of yeah. it. <laughs> well, okay, tell us about, you mentioned Stella Muse, and that is the website where people can find you, stellamuse.com, and I'll have the link in the show notes. Tell us about that. What is that? Stella Muse, she was birthed while I was doing my master's because I, I had to create, obviously, you know, you do a lot of research and you've got to create, you know, this kind of academic piece. And I was like, wow, you know, I was speaking to my my kind of masters of sorts during this and my mentors and going, can I create something that's heavily researched and analytical, but also has a beautiful practical element so that at the end of this, it's not just going to collect dust, but I'm going to be able to use this. And they were quite open. I was like, thank you, universe. So <laughs> I had to create something analytical but also practical and and what I did with part of that was use all my research which was you know going behind the scenes when I was in Miss Universe and and being a fly on the wall really and when I was working in a very high profile magazine being a fly on the wall and talking about the cultural politics of women in the workforce I, all this kind of research information kind of got me thinking about creating my own magazine and so initially Stella Muse which is a name I had to coin because I had to be original and unique Stella being star and Muse being like you know that that kind of inspiration like an artist inspiration so it's this shining inspiration that's what I wanted to create for women a place that was real and authentic so it was very altruistic because I didn't want to have advertising in it or I wanted it to be completely in alignment so that you wouldn't see this in-depth article about this is where your clothes are made this is really you know the child who is not getting paid who's not getting looked after who's you know, community is is dying around them just to make your four dollar t shirt from won't name company. But you know, creates like that, and then you can't have an an advertisement next to it, which is for um, I guess a makeup brand that tests on animals and is also killing the earth with palm oil. I wanted to then put something beside it, which would be you know promoting something healthy, holistic, something empowering that's going to help the world, something that is in alignment and. And it was really challenging, you know, to create this concept. And to be honest, I, I was apparently two marks off a high distinction, which is the highest marking you can get because I was too altruistic, despite them thinking this was a brilliant concept. And I'm like, that just goes to show you where our culture is and we weren't focused and we still aren't focused in the right areas of how we can make our community stronger to heal our earth. But yeah. that said, 
the, the platform still exists now, but instead of being an online magazine, I, I kind of converted her to more like community and, and a place where people can learn and watch my videos and listen to podcasts and interviews and my TV things and yeah. as well as, as reading and, and then connecting with me if I can be of service. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, social media and the, the internet is great. I mean, we're, we're talking to you. We're in Texas and we're talking to you in Australia. Like that's, yeah. that's something really cool. But, you know, social media has had a pretty big effect on – uh, the way people think about themselves, particularly women. But then there, I've seen studies that even like guys are, are sort of secretly dealing with body image issues. I mean, is this... Absolutely. Talk about Absolutely. Your, your experience, uh, social media, you know, body image, go. <laughs> it's huge. Oh, gosh, put me in the hot seat, mate. <laughs> it, it is huge. And the thing is, it's kind of, it's nothing new. It's just amplified it and yeah. brought it to the forefront and because as you said you're in texas i'm in melbourne australia the reality is we are now connecting with more and more people so the beautiful thing is that we also can relate to more people who are like us which in some ways can be empowering and we can come together and this can be great you understand me and you're on the other side of the world there's that but with that side we also have the polar opposite and that means you know the growing number of groups which are all for inspiration and whatever hashtag else you want to throw in there those kind of things you know there's a growing number because also the peer pressure works in the shadow as it does in the light you know so this brings me back to the extreme importance at any age but especially when you're in those developing years and I'd say really before the age of seven because at seven it's when it shifts it's when you start being more molded by your peers than you do let's say by your family and your inner knit community and you'd know this if you know if you're a father of children and my daughter's seven and my other one is mm, five. She's so I know. I'm like, uh, oh, crap. Yeah. I, I remember like your, your, your first memory <laughs> is like usually like four or five years old. So yeah. remember like when you're all parents out there, new parents, you don't really have to try until they become like four or five because before that they don't remember anything. <laughs> so uh, just, kidding, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> crazy Kate's dad. Yeah. But. You know, at that age, it's like up until seven, they're extremely spongy-like and everything's absorbed and this is gospel. And then at that stage when seven kicks in, it's like things start to change and we start to see, oh, hang on, but they do it this way and this is what's, this is what's you know, working. Or, you know, it's different intellectual kind of process that starts to go on. The reality is when we come to teens again, if you are not strong in your self-worth and self-belief and that's not instilled in you normally by your parents – by the time you get to your teens, it's shaky and you are shaky in the sense of you do not value what you are, which is stardust, which is perfect, yeah. which is divine divinity and light, however you want to term it, right? You can say it's godlike, whatever it is. You know, you are not your body. It is the beautiful, you know, little skin and bone sack that carries around your divine soul. We put so much emphasis on the external that the internal, unfortunately, just gets crushed and when that gets crushed, it's like the person disconnects from their soul. They disconnect from their life, from their essence, from why they're really here. Let's say, you know, one of your daughters is an incredibly talented dancer, but something shuts down within her because of a comment. And instead of that being able to be healed and brought together with the assistance of, let's say, her teacher, her parents, those kind of things, if it just gets surpassed and, and her peers kind of weave in there and her lack of self-belief takes over, she could seriously do a lot of damage. As an example, we, we need to be able to have this really firm foundation of a belief in self. And this isn't arrogance. This isn't ego. This is just foundational work because without that belief in who you are, 
that you are important, that you are unique, that you are here to do wonderful things and to find those strengths and talents and gifts that you are given uniquely for you. Nothing like, let's say, self-love can blossom. Because self-love isn't where it starts. It starts with self-belief. And and that's something that often social media, depending on how it's used, because it's a platform, right? It's it's up to you how you use it. Depending on how it's used, it can unfortunately have a negative repercussion on body image. But there's a lot of political movements happening now. There's some great advocates out there who are really supporting different forms and different ways that we can start loving ourselves and appreciating ourselves. But they they're there because they have a belief in self-worth. So, so we really got to start there, with, especially with our youth. So you've got a parent, parents who have, you know, young daughters, seven, six, five. What are, what are some practical things, what are some everyday things that those parents can do to make sure that, like you mentioned, a shaky, kind of shaky footing when they come into mm, their teen years? Yeah. How can they be on, on firm standing? That's a great question. I love that. In my humble opinion, one of the most important things, and I guess I experienced this as a daughter and then probably as, you know, a big sister and and my friends with their children, and that is non-judgment, non-judgment. Yeah. So there might be things that surprise you with your little ones and, and you want to scold them or correct them or tell them that's not how it is, this is how it is. Have an open mind and be supportive of their journey because they are not you. They are not you. Okay, they are a product of you and that's beautiful and they are a part of you. And, and yes, in a sense, you can say, you know, you are them and they are you. Yes, in a very fundamental sense. But really that little personality that is forming is unique and it needs to have space to grow and expand. But, and here's the operative part, it needs boundaries because boundaries are a sense of safety and security. So it's like you can run and go wild, do whatever you want, jump and play and climb trees and do whatever, but you can't go beyond that. It's like the Lion King. We don't go over there. You know, it's it gives them a sense of room to play, room to expand, room to grow, room to be them and explore and play with that and and test things, try things, let them try different things. If they want to do karate or they want to try painting or they want to do singing or whatever it is that they can express themselves, that's really important here, expressing who they are, finding out how they love to express who they are here to be. But give them some safe boundaries so that they know that there is something there to catch them, right? And that's yeah. when the non-judgment comes in. And that also is when loving kindness and compassion comes in. These are fundamental and we all, even as adults, we need this. We need to give it to ourselves yeah. and we need to be there for our beloveds. But for your children to start to understand this concept and this dance at a young age is just invaluable. Well, and, and I, 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 part, of, part of my job now, Elise, is I, I work with a lot of kids who uh, are in trouble with the law. They're usually mostly around, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years old. And the thing a lot a, of them have in common. He's a police officer, uh, yeah, uh, He's a police officer. But uh, the thing the thing a lot of them have in common is that they don't have those foundations. They don't have uh, they don't have anything really. But uh, the thing that they're all missing is that they those parental support from a young age and and boundaries. And you hit the nail on the head. Those are things that you have to start laying the foundation for at those early ages, seven, eight, nine. Those are critical ages. If Absolutely. we're going to get. People, if we're going to raise children that are, you know, good, kind, compassionate, critical thinkers, uh, self-actualized people, uh, they need to know those things early on. And so you can't tell kids enough, you know, I'm proud of you. I I support you. I love you no matter what. Things like that. Those are important right now. Oh, I love that. 
Absolutely. And as you said, you can't say it enough. Some people think, oh, if I keep saying that, you know, they're going to get a big head or something ridiculous. You cannot tell your child that you love them enough. You know, if you're holding them close to your chest and you're not letting them go off to camp or you're not letting them play, okay, you know, let them breathe. But you cannot say I love you too much. Yeah. I, I do not believe. Well, there yeah. was a, a, an interesting series of studies done a long time ago about like kids and like uh, uh, boundaries. And so they would have these different sets of kids on like a playground. And they had the idea was that if you take fences away from kids, they're just going to run crazy. They're going to just go and, and just you know go pee in somebody's bushes or something, you know, across uh, the street. Yeah, they will. Yeah, <laughs> they will. Mark, you will do that potentially. Well, well, right, right. So, but the, the study was like they had the the fence up, and the kids are out, you know, out towards the edge of the fence. And of course, the idea is we take this fence away, they're just going to keep going. Well, what an interesting thing happened is when they took the fence away, they actually retreated back to the playground and didn't go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of like what you were saying, like that kind of speaks to when there are boundaries, you, you know, the space that you can thrive in and like you can explore that space. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a very interesting, uh, that's a very interesting study. Um, definitely. Yeah. And it's also important for us to understand this concept of boundaries doesn't mean we can't reach for the stars. Yeah. doesn't mean we don't need to push ourselves. It's just those boundaries change and shift and evolve as we grow. It's just really important to have that from an early age just for the sake of security. As we get older, we need to be able to challenge ourselves and push through those boundaries, obviously, as well. Yeah, and th- there's one thing I was going to ask you about. I-, I just thought to ask you about this, and this is something you probably haven't heard of this. Rick probably has. The uh, And you're familiar with American football, I assume. Uh, Correct. It's a it's a big deal. Uh, college football is is a really big deal. Well, the University of Houston yes. this year is like in the top ten. I think what are they like in the top five now, Rick? Um, their head coach, yeah. uh, uh, he they've got I don't know what 50, 55, 60 guys on the team that dress out every every game. Before every game, he goes around and he kisses every one of them on their cheek. Do you, is that, so is that like, what do you like? And there are a lot of, he's getting a backlash from this because a lot of people think that's like over the line. What do you think about that? I think that's great. As long as the, the guys are comfortable with that. Because we have to have boundaries once again. That means personal boundaries. So that means if someone's not comfortable with that, then you've got to respect that. And that's yeah. something that's really important for me as a coach, for me as a practitioner, whether I'm doing a title session or a healing session, I always ask my clients if they're happy for me to place a hand on their shoulder or whatever it is, or give them a hug, hello or goodbye. You know, there's certain things that you have to make sure that both of you are comfortable with. But if those guys are like, yeah, thank you, you know, they, they feel there's a love there. There's a gratitude there. There's a respect there. And, you know, a coach is like a father figure. Let's be yeah. honest. You know, they are very, very strong role models for these men. So for me, as I look on it, if those guys are comfortable with that, then I think that's a beautiful sign of, of gratitude and respect. And, and maybe it's like their little good luck charm. Who knows? But yeah. why not if they're comfortable with that? Why not? Yeah, I know. I, well, I, and I'll, I'll say this too, knowing like a lot of, uh, High-level college athletes, uh, uh, not me personally, but knowing some of the backgrounds of some of them, a lot of them also don't have kind of that level of support. And so sometimes they'll look towards coaches and teachers for that affirmation. And so, you know, this is uh, some of these kids come from broken homes. Some of them come from nothing. Some of them, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, all they have are athletic abilities. And so, you know, I kind of look at this story, you know, we, we, we we snicker a little bit about it. No, he's kissing his dudes, (laughs) but like he's showing these kids that, Hey, this is more about, this is less about football. I don't care if you're good at football or not, you're one of my kids and I'll help you and I'll support you. That's, that's, that's how I see this. Yeah. Rick, and that's a great cry. example of the non-judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, and, and I want um, there, there are a few things I want to make sure we get to. And so I want to ask you about this because you said uh, you have done a post recently regarding the pill. And I know yeah. as Rick has no uh, care about this, but like, you know, I've got daughters. We've got a lot of female listeners. What like mm-hmm. the pill? Good, bad. What, what should we do about this? The birth control pill? Mm, there's a beautiful quote by a very well-known writer at MD called Dr. Christian Northrup, and she says, as long as you don't mind putting your ovaries on automatic pilot and ignoring your fertility, there's nothing that comes close to the pill for sheer convenience. And I thought, that is brilliant. Yeah. I I wrote a very extensive um, had of an investigatory piece on this. I use my journalism skills to, to pump out this one because I'm so passionate about it. And someone, myself, personally, I've never chosen to take the pill purely because I didn't like the concept of my body being reprogrammed by a chemical that I'm ingesting every single day. It's like taking drugs every single day when you don't need to. So that concept of being out of touch with my body's rhythm and cycles and how it's naturally meant to go it, it didn't appeal to me. And the concept also of if you had, you know, very painful periods in a regular period, there's so many different factors that women face. The pill is not the answer. The pill is like putting a bandaid over a shark bite. You know, it's, it's really not going to be something that's going to assist you in the long run. And there are so many repercussions of taking the pill, you know, from hair loss to acne to gaining weight to mood swings. There's so many things. And many women I've spoken to, because a lot of them come to me to talk about this, have all said how they have had these side effects and they had to try one to the other the other before they found one that kind of suited them but then when they did they realized how disconnected they were from their divine feminine and when I say divine feminine I mean the cycles of a woman those four phases like we go through with the moon are an innate part of them and when that is kind of numbed they disconnect from who they really are. They're not able to tap into that and to me it's quite sad that we're really essentially numbing and suppressing women And this is a very, very powerful tool to do that because we're taking away their natural hormone cycle. Imagine if we took away the natural hormone cycle of a man. Now, it's a tricky one to, you know, obviously compare because you guys don't menstruate. But, you know, even... Man, I was going to say that, but I was like, no, I'll be sophisticated and I won't make a joke here. I I have to honestly, but... In saying that, you know, there are some men because, you know, some people are born in female bodies and they choose to become men. So there's a lot of different, you know, versions of what men and women are in this day and age. We're very organic and, and very different like that. But I'm just talking about those who are literally born in males' bodies. Yeah. But, you know, moving on to other examples of, of how this affects us, you know, low libido is a massive thing, like a diminished arousal, erratic emotions, breast size change, not just the skin and weight and, and hair loss and that disconnection from the sacred phase that is a woman's moon time, we say, the period each month, it disconnects her from the power of being a woman, you know. And I can go into many details here about the depletion of different vitamins like B2 and B3 and B6 and B12. There's a whole list of them, zinc and just that inner balance of healthy bacteria in the digestive system. It's so many issues also with the liver, increased risk of cardiovascular disease and blood clots, all these different things. And I talk about this in my article, so I'll, I'll happily send you a yes, link so you can share do. that with your listeners. Yes, yes. And if nothing else, I don't want to advocate what's wrong or right for someone. I This is what I believe in very firmly. And every lady that has ever come to me has said, you know, if they had been on the pill, that they are now off the pill and they would not go back for anything. Yeah, my so wife uh, was on it that, for years and she finally realized that the, the like, you know, five or six 
migraines, debilitating migraines she was getting every month yeah. were related to that, and she hasn't been on it for years. So, mm, Absolutely. And there's many stories like that. So what I suggest is if you're listening right now and, and you're considering putting your daughter on it or you are personally on the pill, is just educate yourself and get a bit more information because sometimes Western medicine, that's all they're aware of. Yeah. They don't look at alternatives. This is what they have been you know, taught and conditioned to to suggest to their patients. This is what the pharmaceutical companies ask of them and they get paid graciously to put that drug in front of you, don't forget as well. So when we flip over and look at a holistic approach or perhaps, you know, uh, an Eastern medicine approach, there are different ways to know your fertility. There are different ways to protect, you know, protect against unwanted pregnancy or you know, STDs, for example, sexually transmitted diseases, the pill doesn't stop that. You know, there are other means and methods that we need to also consider here for different reasons. This isn't just about pregnancy, you know, when it comes to your children becoming sexually active or or your own sexual life for that matter. So, you know, read and and try and really sit with what's right for you and your body and honour that and know that there is more than one way always. It's just sometimes that's the way that's put in front of us and we take it for gospel because someone in a white coat who we believe has spent a lot of time studying, knows best. Well, I can honestly say, you know, you know your body better than anyone. Yeah. Better than anyone. Mm. Okay, awesome. Well, this has so been, been so awesome. We, we're running up on time. There's a couple more things I want to ask you. First of all, tell us about your second book that you wrote and promote yourself. Where can people find you? <laughs> well, as you mentioned, it's stellamuse.com and that's Stella with an A. My second book is called Yoni Power. So I'm still writing this right now and I'm actually interviewing women around the world, some anonymously who would like to share their personal Yoni story. If you don't know what a Yoni is, it's the entire female sexual reproductive area. So we're talking about the entire beautiful little component and package right from the inside of the ovaries to the outside, the vulva, which sometimes accidentally gets called a vagina. You can't see that when you stand naked in front of the mirror for the record for the record so yeah so (laughs) you got that guys i I was gonna say like you're like that that the yanni what you just described it's like this like beautiful like thing that's it's like nurturing and and all and then the guys is like like an (laughs) elephant (laughs) elephant uh, trunk or something it's like the most like ugly anyway so (laughs) you're maybe overestimating a shade okay (laughs) It's but it's interesting because there's a lot of misconception that a lot of guys um, have issues actually with understanding and identifying the beauty of each woman's unique yoni space and, yeah. and many of them think they're ugly, unattractive and this is mainly due to a lack of education information thinking that every woman should look like a Barbie doll, right. neatly waxed or shaved with a little line down the front or perhaps <laughs> no line at all, just, you know, just this miraculous little thing that he can enter when he chooses. So far from the truth, you know, every woman is so unique, so different, so beautiful and we need to understand that and have a reverence for that just like every guy is different. I mean, I'm sure if you've been in a club room or you've been, you know, after in the showers after sport or something like that. You've seen guys, you all look pretty different. We have to understand it's the same with women yeah. and that they're all uniquely beautiful because there's a big issue there. You know, we won't have time to dive into it. I've got plenty of articles I can send you about labioplasty and things like that where women think there's something wrong with them when they're completely normal and they go get themselves cut and altered and that's it's heartbreaking. It's yes. heartbreaking. Yes. So well, thank to yeah. this hand. <laughs> yeah, well thank you um, for the work that you're doing and, and the the message that you have. I think it's it's really important important uh for women Mm. to hear this and especially and dads of young daughters like need i know it's like can be uncomfortable but like this is stuff that you have to deal with you can't just like 
run into the next room whenever like this kind of stuff comes up. I hope that I can, you know, speak to my daughters about this and not, you know, just like blush and just run away. Um, Yeah. Or just hold space if they need to speak to you. That's one of the most beautiful things a dad can do is to make sure that he keeps that line of communication open is is to be that non-judgmental rock. We call it the divine masculine, just holding space, letting his daughter be able to speak to him and he's not judging her. He doesn't even need to try and fix her. She's not broken, just like your son isn't broken, just like your partner isn't broken. Sometimes a man just needs to listen. Yeah. And we really appreciate that. I can, well, I can say that. I had sure. a, a mentor one time tell me the three H's. I probably can only remember two of them, but uh, it's like hugs, hush, and hear. That, those are the three. Like listen, Aww. give hugs, and be quiet. I thought that was pretty good. The three H's. That is pretty much the same thing my dad told me, uh, marriage advice. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> You're the boss. You <laughs> draw a line in the sand and get ultimatums every day. <laughs> and let's drag ourselves back out of the dark ages. Right. <laughs> and the one thing I did want to mention that we didn't say, just with the guys and, and talking about, you know, the football. And, and there's a wonderful documentary that some of you may have not heard of. It was out a couple of years ago, but it's called The Mask You Live In. And it's a beautiful representation of you know how guys are triggered to have to stand up and man up but reality is that they need that love and that nurturing and that support and and there's you know some wonderful people out there who are offering that you know especially to guys who are heavily involved in sport and who may not have that loving family connection or be in any kind of connection with a loved one you know and it shows how coaches and teachers and you know social workers or something like that anything any role at that you know can really play a, a pivotal role for these young men so the mask you live in if, if you haven't watched it and you have young men or you work in connection with young man i suggest you may be um interested in watching that one awesome and i just noticed in the email that you sent me i do have the pill sex and moon time article that you sent me the link cool, that's so i the have one. it yeah and then okay last question that we ask all new guests yeah. on the show is what is one thing that you birthday okay something new that we've been doing mark and i try to guess the birthday of the guest it's totally random we each get two guesses. I got and don't it. Don't give us any clues. All right. I got it last we've show. Each, we've, we've each guessed one, and it's been amazing. So, Mark, I'll let you oh. go first. You have the honor. Um, June thirtieth. Mm. April seventh. Well, I have to say, Mark, you said June thirtieth. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, you were two days off. <gasps> Very well done, mate. June twenty-eighth. Wow. Really? And you know what? I was actually saying in my mind, I, I did a little test. I said in my mind subliminally, June 28, when you spoke. And then, Rick, when you said it, said it, I actually didn't say anything in my mind. So I was wondering if those mind powers were actually just hitting well, you hey, in Texas well, and they just well, kind of well, hit a know, speed bump and you just miss the two days. Well, you know uh, why I said, you know why I guessed that? I guessed that because my birthday is June 26th. And, yeah. and I and I uh, felt like buddy. yeah, and I felt like we were we were uh, uh, you know cosmically connected. So I was going to guess yeah. that you were a cancer as well, and so <laughs> I was right. Wow. So Rick, uh, I I I get the points for that one. Yeah. Nope. You'll- <laughs> Uh, uh, So so close. All right. So the final question: What is one thing you enjoy about life, or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Something really simple is gratitude within myself. I practice that every single day. Like before I put my feet out of bed, I do a bit of morning ritual, I suppose, before I even do my hour and a half or two hours of morning practice. And, And that involves 
saying how grateful I am for certain things in my life, whether it's waking up next to my beloved, where it's, you know, seeing my mom, whether it's giving someone a hug, whether it's being able to do what I do, whether it's you know, having this conversation today. I sent light into this interview today before I connected with you both. Something like that, yeah. gratitude to me is is imperative. And and then on a simple basic level, I love smiling at strangers on the street. Yes. Especially those who look really snooty or really angry or on a you know in a rush even if they don't smile back or they look at you as if what's wrong with you i just i I love smiling at them just so they know that you know there's there's goodness in the world it's okay well and if somebody that looks like you smiled at me real big on the sidewalk i'd be like oh oh, 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 she smiled at me (laughs) that was awesome idiot you're an (laughs) idiot (laughs) awesome well this has been great thank you so much um for uh for connecting with us and this has just been just an enlightening uh half hour so we really appreciate it and hope that you will join us again sometime oh thank you mark and rick it's it's been a pleasure i've been very very honored to connect with you both on the other side of the world from the future talking about some really interesting and important topics thank you very much for having me you're listening to the simply human podcast thanks elise uh awesome stuff and you link to all her stuff links to all her stuff is uh in the show notes i'm still a little flustered <clears throat> uh, by the end of that um it's been a whole day since then oh time travel talk did people don't know that oh my bad it's been we just had her on live live to go mm. all right uh and now it is time for humans being human and a lot of fun talking to a, a, a very dear friend of mine he uh we mentioned we kind of talk about his background but known him for a long time and uh, here is steve and the screwdriver story okay he's back all right rick bentley is back on the line rick I present well. Yes. I, okay, I'm gonna give you some hints about who is on the oh, line. Oh, dude, I, I hate these because I have a terrible memory. He played football at Louisville High School. Woo! Oh, I know who it is. <laughs> Steve, Steve, should I, can I use your last name, Steve E? Yeah, that's fine. No worries, man. Okay, yeah, we can use. How's it going, man? What's going on, Mister Bentley? You doing good? Uh, you have, I believe, the distinction of being the very first person to leave an iTunes review for the podcast, I believe. What? I think really? that might be that's, true. That's pretty legit. To, that's pretty legit. That up. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Um, okay, so we have – I can't believe we haven't had Steve on. Like, as Steve and I were, like, texting back and forth last night. Uh, there's just – we're going to have to have you on again, Steve. But there's just a couple yeah, of we, we, were, we were doing that late through the evening, I understand. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, can you – will you disclose what you do for a living? Is that – can we do that? Um, yeah, right. sure. So, so not yeah, it's not be too detailed or anything, yeah. but um, I am in the – I'm in the technology area of Southwest Airlines. <laughs> and no, that was not my fault, okay? It was not my fault. So What was not your I fault? Bet you have to t- Every time, I bet he gets so whipped with complaints about one time I flew and they lost my bag, or there was a guy who stunk who sat next to me, or they (laughs) – I bet bet that is worse than me even being like – bringing up in casual conversation that I'm a police officer because everyone wants to tell me about this ticket (laughs) Someplace, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't write tickets. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, it, it is, a, it is a beating. I mean, no lie. But at the end of the day, nine out of ten people uh, are very uh, graceful yeah. and, and gracious to us. So it's cool. It's, it's not bad at all. It's, it's a pretty easy gig. Pretty good gig. Like, okay. okay. So Steve married my wife and I. I worked for him. Yes. Steve, this has been uh, 14 years ago. 
that I worked for Steve and uh, had a big impact on on my career. So I so I think oh man, that. I'm I'm starting to cry over here. Dude. Yeah. you need to stop saying stuff like that. I'm well, you told him he was so terrible at that job that he had to go do something else. <laughs> that, that's pretty. That's, that's, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, there is some truth in that. Um, so. <laughs> So there, there were so many that there's one in particular that I want to get to, Steve, about when we were coming home from Mexico. But, uh-huh. um, it, but so I want to. That's what I want to uh, end with. But there was another, okay. there's another good one when I when I moved to like the Louisville area to work for you that summer. I actually stayed with you for like a week before I moved in with yes. my host family that I was going to stay with the rest of the summer. And so like one of the first nights. Uh, that I was there, you were like, "Hey, I was, I'm going to go mow my grass," and I was like, "Hey, I'll I'll help you." Uh, so to explain what happened next, <laughs> absolutely. So so yeah, you were very gracious and uh, and very caring to help me out. I mean, I was outside mowing the yard, and you said, "Hey, let me help you out." So we're able to uh, multitask, if you will, and um, and then I wanted to test out my sprinkler system after we were done mowing. So I turned the sprinkler system on, and I'm turning multiple zones on just just uh, validating everything was good. Well. Uh, when I turned on one of the zones, um, about a uh, about a thirty foot stream of water is shooting straight up in the air, and um, I'm like, "What is what is going on, man?" Because I literally just checked those maybe three or four days earlier, and uh, Mark is just kind of looking at me like, "Man, that's that's weird, dude. What what's going on?" And and I was like, "Is that normal?" (laughs) Yeah, and so you were kind of like, "Yeah, you know, let let me try to help you out with that." I'm like, "Man, he's he's being pretty nice about this, but okay, I appreciate it." So. We start walking around, and, and next thing you know, uh, we're taking a look at it, and I'm looking at the sprinkler. I, I turned the sprinkler system off. I'm looking at the sprinkler head, and I'm like, Man, what's the deal with this sprinkler head? It looks just all chopped up and everything. And I kind of looked at Mark, and Mark kind of gave me that deer-in-the-headlights look, which he's really good at. Yeah. And uh, he was just like, okay, man, I got to admit. I, no, I no, 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 okay. That's not exactly how it went down. Here's what happened. So I'm, I was not a homeowner at the time. I didn't have a sprinkler system. I ran over that sprinkler head and just obliterated it. Well, I didn't know. <laughs> to me, yeah. a college kid, that might be 200 bucks. I didn't know. I didn't know. I had every reference of how much a repair of like that was. Sure like ten dollars. <laughs> no, it's like, exactly. It's, no, no. He was. You're right, Rick. He was so nervous, man. He was just looking. I mean, literally, he was sweating not just from mowing, but from being afraid well, that it was going to cost a lot of money. Well, so here's what happened. You went around into your garage. I man, I have a very vivid memory of this. You go in and you get. <laughs> Dude, you, you must have, man. <laughs> you have like you have this like a box. Of yeah. all of all the replacement parts, so you just went and grabbed the replacement yeah. part and just screwed a new piece in that I had obliterated, and, that, and it was fixed. Yeah. And yeah. then it, and then at dinner yeah. that night, we were sitting around the table after we had cleaned up and I had showered and we, like Katie had like made us dinner. Like we sat down, there's just three of us around the table, and I said, "I have a confession." And that's when I confessed to y'all like around the kitchen table. Oh like, my god, like, that's right, I, man, dude, yeah. you're exactly. <laughs> no, so what ended up happening was that you're right. So what ended up happening was I had asked, and you were just kind of like, "Man, that's just weird." But you're right. That night after dinner, we were just kind of chilling out. Yeah, at the table, and you're just like, "Hey, man, I, I got to be straight up with you. I got to be honest with you. I, I obliterated that." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like dude. after I'm I like, realized that it wasn't, I would, I didn't have to like pay you any money to, to fix it. I, man, had I known, I would have some blown that out of proportion. I'd have yeah. been like, "Dude, we got to go to Home Depot, and we need to call your Urban yeah, and uh, figure out how yeah. much this is going to cost yeah. us." And this and, is and ridiculous. Do you have like, uh, like any, cr- like any credit on your credit card, yeah. or gift space on there? Because this is going to be, I mean, God yeah. I do. I'll say this though: when I became a homeowner with a sprinkler system you know cue the bragging montage there uh i thought the same thing 
because my dad, when I was a kid, used to seriously fly in like an uncontrolled <laughs> rage if any of us ever accidentally did something to a sprinkler head. Yeah. And oh, yeah. My oh, parents yeah. were like pretty well buried, so you, it didn't matter. Yeah. You couldn't, you didn't have to avoid them with the lawnmower. Yeah. Well, I get my house that has the sprinklers, and I don't think that I have to go around it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's fine. Well, I chop it up and just blow it in a trillion pieces and i was like oh god i'm such an idiot and i yep. think it's gonna be like you know a hundred dollar at least and i go to home depot no, and you're, I'm like, you're exactly right and i think it's the dad's job to do that though to be honest with you yeah. man. i think it's one of those deals where you you start teaching your kids at a very young age even even if it's a small deal man hey it's a big deal a big picture because we want you to learn the lesson out of this one right it's a lessons learned scenario Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's we're we're at like seven minutes. So let's let's set up the and, th- and this is be another one that it'll be interesting to see our recollections of of this. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think match up. I get it. So right. I, I do remember one thing. So we take a bunch of kids down to Mexico on this like mission trip, and yep. and I remember Steve like the first night of the mission trip. Steve was like, guys, you don't, y'all need to learn how to serve. So <laughs> y'all are gonna y'all are gonna do the work this week. And Mark and I mm-hmm. are are not going to work. <laughs> like, That's exactly right. Yep. <laughs> and we just like jacked around. The whole, we just like jacked around the whole time. But so on. The, so we're with like I don't know what Steve thirty kids. 50, yeah, 20, about thirty kids. Twenty yeah. to thirty kids, and we're in like th- two or three buses. We have walkie talkies so we can talk between the buses and all that stuff. And so we're like, or it's like vans, like fifteen passenger vans. So we're coming back, mm-hmm. and we we stop in like San Antonio uh, yep. to spend the night, and. And, and take it from there. Right. So, so you and I, we had kind of, kind of gone walking around in the hotel, just kind of checking everything out, you know, making sure all the kids were good to go. And, you know, they're just behaving themselves basically. And it was, you and I were walking down the hallway and I'll never forget. We, we were walking up to a couple and this couple was, you could tell that something, you know, bad was going on. They, they were, you know, they were upset with each other and all that. And, and and so one thing I noticed was she was crying, right? Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm I'm not going to walk up here and just kind of ignore that. You know, I I don't like the fact that he was she was sitting down and he was kind of standing up, hovered over. Her. I can still remember see that? the couple, like I can see. Them. Yeah. yeah, and and he was up there, and and he had you remember he had a a screwdriver in his hand is what he had. Yeah, and it was just a random screwdriver that he had in his hand, and he's he's leaning over her almost nose to nose. You know, she's crying, he's upset, and he's, he's kind of banging the wall with the fist, with the screwdriver in the hand, because she's leaning up against the wall. And so I'm like, look, I'm not going to let this happen without me intervening. So you're with me. I'm like, hey, I got my boy with me, you know, ACU football stud. We got this. We can handle this guy, right? This guy looked maybe 180 pounds at most, right? I was, I was a clear 250, you know, it minimum. I, and I was probably so I, still I two fifteen con- at the time. Oh yeah, you were you had been working out. Yeah, yeah you had been working out, man. You were stud muffin, I get it. So <laughs> so it was hilarious because it was sad, but it was hilarious because I, I'm like, You guys okay? And he just kinda looked at me and, and Mark, I honestly don't remember how he responded, but I know it wasn't very friendly, right? Yes. It was like It was very aggressive. Want? Yeah. Yeah. He goes, What do you want? And I'm like, Hey man, I'm just here to make sure everything's cool, you know. And dude, he was just, he was starting, remember, he's starting to bow up with it, yeah, right? Yeah. Hey, you need to mind your business type of deal. He's right. looking at you. He's looking at me. All I'm staring at <laughs> is the screwdriver in this guy's hand, right? I'm like, because if he starts going, I'm going to throw a mark in front of me, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm out, right? But, but the deal was, was that you were thinking the opposite. You were thinking this, the opposite way. You're like, hey, I just got to make sure, I don't have to be the fastest, but I got to be faster than Steve. Yep. And you were. 
yep. so that I can bail out of there. Now you you helped mm-hmm. me you helped me remember this because man, he was like taught you was screaming at us, right? Yeah. As we were walking out, we're like making sure. So we go down to the lobby. We talk to the guy. We're like, hey, there's someone back there. There's an issue going on between a couple. You you need to you need to get security on it. I think it happened up. It ended up happening being one of his friends. Yeah. that was there. Yeah, I can't remember. But you tell me. You tell the story okay. about what you so enacted in your head. Here's at that point. here's how I remember. It. It's very similar. So what from what I remember, we see this dude mistreating a female, and me yep. and you as the big. Uh, strong defenders of the earth as as we are, we were going to go down there yep. and 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 ha- have some strong words with this dude and tell right. him that what he's doing is not going to fly with with right. with us. So we yeah. go walking down there. So we go. So we go walking down there with our chest boat up. And oh yeah. And and we like my chest is blowing up just listening. Yeah, to I know. This right now, I know. By the me way. too. So we we walk up to the guy and we're and the the, the attitude the aura that we're putting out is. Hey, dude, what's the problem? This needs to stop now, or you're going to have a problem mm-hmm. with us, right? That's the yep. tone. So that's how we go down there. And, and when he turns around, and that's when I first saw the screwdriver. So, <laughs> so we go down there all bowed up, and he turns around, and this dude's holding the screwdriver. And then we change to, hey, man, we're just trying to ca- counsel you guys. Is there anything that... Is it, we're, we're, we're here with the church. We're here ministering. Can we minister you know, to you? You know, you love the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Do like, you know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Yeah, it's like we went from like... <laughs> like just turns around and goes, Hail Satan! I have stabbing <laughs> screwdriver. <laughs> but I just remember like the screwdriver made us go from like tough guys to like totally like wussed out. And we're like, oh, hey, man, we're just trying to help, man. Can we give you like a hotline number and just like talk to you? <laughs> yeah. Mark, I, I'm, I'm I'm coming, I'm coming, but I'm coming from the perspective of, you know, I got a wife to take care of yeah. and I have a minute, I have a responsibility yeah. in ministry. I, I can't do what I want to do. I need to yeah. do what Jesus wants me to do. Right, right. So, yeah. So that, just, that's what I look at. Yeah. It. The yeah. screwdriver story. Well, <laughs> so Steve, we're out of time. We need to, we you, have, guys, you guys have like uh, some screws you need screwed in. Yeah. I can take that screwdriver and, and help you do some work. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if you need help or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a Kleenex for her. She's crying. You know, she's okay. Yeah. I know you're taking care of her. Yeah, we're yeah. good to go. It's so. good. Well, it's kind of yeah. like the, the, how it changes. It's like when you go through the drive-thru and you're going to like pay it forward and you're going to like pay for the people behind you. You're like, hey, how much is uh, I'm going to pay for the people behind me. How much is it? And they're like, real quick, real quick, why don't you bring that up? Well, then it's like, they, they, they say like, uh, uh, it was uh, 80, $84. And you're like, you know what? Uh, you know what? Never mind. Uh, never mind. I'm not we're going to get that next time. Yeah. We're yeah. Get that next time. <laughs> One time at work, that somebody called in on like this lady with their kids outside of a Waffle House. And those, I don't remember what the call was, but I show up and basically she got kicked out of the Motel 6 next door because she couldn't pay the bill anymore. And she was waiting on this friend that was supposed to be coming from like, you know, all the way across the, the Metroplex. And uh, he, he, he was supposed to be there like five hours ago, but he hadn't shown up yet. And her phone's dead and doesn't have minutes on it or something. And I was like, hey, how long has it been since you guys had you know a good meal? And she's like, it's been a couple of days. It's like, hey, just go inside, eat. And I told the waitress, like, hey, whatever they get, just save the ticket. I'll come by in a couple hours and I'll pay for it. And it was a lady and two kids at Waffle House. What do they spend like a hundred dollars? I came back at like four in the morning and I was like, ready to you know twenty drop bucks down to twenty. And I hand her my credit card, and she's like, "Man, that was really generous of you." Says, oh, you know, it's it's not really that big of a deal. You know, I just try to do right by people when I get a chance. <laughs> it was like forty seven dollars, and I was like, "Whoa!" Wow. 
John, how did this lady and her $47 for the food? And they're like, I don't know, man, but they were putting it away. And I was like, okay, the next time let's do this, let's set like a like a $25, like, yeah, okay, limit. The side of the menu you can order from, not really this side right yeah, over here, yeah. not the steak. Exactly. And, and it's water's all around, only water's yeah. all around. <laughs> yeah, can we get I some cups for all of our, our Cokes, please? Thank yeah. you. Awesome. Well, hey, Steve, we're out of time. There, there are many, yep. many more stories we can tell. We're going to have you back on and do this again soon. Hey, no worries. That was fun, man. You guys take care. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. You Thank bet. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, person. Uh, that was really, man, that was funny. Human. Thank you, human. Thank you. I'm assuming we're having a human on. I might. What if we just had my fat beagle Rudy on? <laughs> Rudy would just sit at the mic and go, just go. No, he would just, he does this thing at night where he starts panting. He's like, <sighs> Oh wait, maybe that's Jen. Um, so huh. uh, speaking of, if you haven't figured this out, we recorded this prior to recording with that person. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, speaking of fat beagles, uh, the tip of the week. I am assuming. I'm I'm taking into assumption some of the things that we're going to talk to Elise about, and one of those things is probably going to be body image stuff, uh, female. Uh, issues because that's her specialty, and so the tip of the week has to do with uh, with along those lines. This article uh, in the Trail Gazette Recreation mm. by mm. Debbie Holmes is called "It's What We Got, So Learn to Love It." That is the title of the article, and I'm gonna read like the last paragraph. <clears throat> it says, "Yes, all the benefits of living a healthy lifestyle are proven over and over, but if you don't have your head in the game and learn to love and accept your body for what it is." It'll be impossible to achieve so many things in your life. You have to achieve it on your personal level with the beautiful body you were given, and that'll make our world a much happier and better place to live. And that reminds me of another phrase that I've heard a couple of times this week, and you may, you may have also heard this phrase. Uh, it's the phrase, be where your feet are. Man, I was literally in my mind, I was like, I have to make sure Mark read this article yeah. uh, to make sure you read this. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a, it's a separate uh, – it's that – phrase wasn't in this article but it's this kind of goes along the same lines you can you you know that, that line that line was written by pirates uh, uh yeah. pittsburgh pirates manager clint hurdle about the death of jose yes. fernandez the the young pitcher who uh pitched for the marlins who died in a boating accident and this was clint hurdle penned a really yeah. terrific piece about you know about be where your feet are yeah, and basically what that means is like uh, okay, that doesn't mean oh I can just be I'm going to be happy with uh, my my dysfunction my my I'm my you know my uh, my unhealthy lifestyle it's it's where you are right now that's that's where you need to be like whether it's with your yeah. family with your body like you can be making ch- like positive changes to your lifestyle if you need to but don't hate yourself until yeah. you get to the person you're going to be. Love, love yourself through the changes. Love yourself, you know, how, and, you know, love your family where they are. Love your, your parents and your, your, your spouse and all your friends. Be where your feet are. Oh, it's so good. Like I, heard, I read that or I heard it, I guess, this morning. No, I read it. And it was just like, man, that's so good. I have to tie that in somehow. So, and I figured you yeah. probably read the same thing I did. So, Absolutely. And the, the article itself, uh, if, you, if you're a baseball person, uh, go find this. Uh, just search Clint Hurdle, Jose Fernandez, and read the whole thing because it'll, you know, something that stuck out, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says in the f- very beginning that uh, every week is full of little moments that let you know that, like, life is pretty yeah. short. 
and uh, that that you're not fully in control of things, something along those lines. So, yeah, definitely, uh, that's a that's a piece of advice, Mark, that I need to hear more often than not. Every day, I'm trying to get better than I was the day before, and I'm I tend to get frustrated if I'm not where I need to be. I want to be there right now, but you know, I did I do the things today that I need to do to be successful? Did I eat the right foods? Did I move the right way? Did I, uh, you know, did I spend time with my family? Did I, you know, those things. And so that's what, that's what it's about. It's not about the end result. It's about the journey. Yep. Very good. All right. Um, Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. At simplyhuman52 is all the social media stuff. Like us on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes. Really appreciate you uh, making time in your day for us. We know there's a lot of options out there. Thank you so much uh, for being loyal listeners. And and tell a friend. Share us. We always love new listeners and hope that uh, we've got 145-plus hours of content out there, which is a lot. It's like four days worth. It's like three yeah. days. That's two days. Mm, I'm not sure your math is. I don't do math. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this edition of the Simply Human Podcast. And remember, just this miraculous little thing that he can enter when he chooses so far from the truth. So until next time, enjoy yourself.